0: Installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows. Pause and rewind live TV. Even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just twenty four ninety nine, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call
1: 877-499-MYTV. That's 877-499-MYTV.
0: Cancel the cable. Cut costs and get more.
1: Call now 877-499-MYTV. That's 877-499-MYTV.
2: You're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Now, today's show is going to be fun because we're going to have a guest on we've had on a couple of times.
3: That's right. We're going to have Jim Barnett, Warrior television broadcaster, talking about this uh, amazing Warrior team that is setting all sorts of records this year on its way to hopefully a second NBA championship in a row.
2: Good, and I want to ask him because the uh, NCAA finals just oh, happened. That what was a amazing great game! Great game, yeah. And I want to ask him what he thinks about uh, the performances that happen at that game, mm-hmm. or just basically any NCAA you know final game. Uh, how much of that really impacts these players who want to turn pro, Mm, you know, that final game. Because it shows, you know, the pressure that they're under for that one game. Yeah, how about
3: Christian? Remember Christian Leitner back in the early Uh, 90s? Yeah, uh, against Kentucky. I remember that. And he had that big moment and had a pretty good career in the NBA. Not a a great career, but an okay career.
2: Yeah, and it's funny because some people, I mean, like Steph Curry, I guess Davidson's a little too small a school, was good, but he became great once he became a pro.
3: Yeah, well, actually, you know, it wasn't that quickly that he became great. It took him a few years, and he had some injury problems, too, with his ankle. But Uh, now, geez, he's the best. Then
2: you look at Michael Jordan, who was great in college and even better. As a pro.
3: He was not happy after that game, by the way. Oh, I know. When, 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 his, uh, when his Tar Heels lost to Villanova, and, and uh, Roy Williams wasn't too happy either.
2: No, he he, he definitely looked, uh, yeah.
3: Crestfallen when, is the right word, I think, for, for Roy Williams. You know,
2: it's funny. I like the players, too, and it, it's like they, they don't have anything to be ashamed of. No, you are losing it's, the it's, last second of play. That's the way it goes. And especially with uh, Page hitting that. Well, and also
3: of, the, the, the defender was right in his face. That yeah. was a great shot. It, it was awesome. Yeah.
2: Okay, so at uh, each commercial break, we're going to ask a trivia question. And uh, the first email with the correct answer is going to win a free three-day, two-night stay at the Lighthouse Resort. And today's trivia theme is different trivia. Oh, okay. okay. We're moving around. Moving around. Yes. Okay. This segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, still providing mortgage investments that are currently yielding over 8%. Check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Stay with us. When we come back... We're going to have Jim Barnett on Sports
4: Econ 101. This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn, year in and year out, returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies such as trusted investing in mortgage pool funds can do just that. Since 2008, clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you, too, can profit from these real estate-secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at PacificPrivateMoney.com.
5: At the Capitola Hotel, our boutique rooms feature free Wi-Fi, luxurious towels and linens, a mini fridge, ceiling fans, and organic bath products. Each morning, the lobby is beautifully set with a continental breakfast, and each afternoon boasts an elegant display of cookies, tea, and coffee. Our quaint courtyard with tranquil fountains, fireplaces, and flowering foliage is the perfect setting to enjoy our services or just relax as the stress of the world melts away. Please call to make a reservation 877-705-7377. Mention that you heard about us on one of Edward Brown's radio programs, The Best of Investing, or Sports Econ 101, at the time of your reservation, and receive a 10% discount. The Capitola Hotel in Capitola, California. Capitolahotel.com. 877-705-7377.
6: Sports Byline's library of more than 12,000 interviews is a treasure. I'm Ron Barr, and we want your help in protecting, sharing, and continuing to build this sports interview treasure. We've launched a GoFundMe campaign, so please go to sportsbyline.com funding and donate so you can be a part of preserving and continuing to build this unique collection of sports interviews. In appreciation for your donation, support, and telling others, we're going to provide everyone who donates with a link to a special commemorative collection of the Sports Byline Interview Library. This commemorative collection will change every month, and you'll have access to it with your supporting donation of any amount. So go to sportsbyline.com slash funding and also tell your friends. You'll be helping preserve, grow, and digitize the Sports Byline Interview Library so that today's sports fans and those in the future We'll forever be able to enjoy this treasure. Thank you for your help and support.
2: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan, my co-host. Bruce, Jim's with us, isn't he?
3: Yes, he is. Jim Barnett is the longtime uh, television voice of the Golden State Warriors. And, of course, uh, Jim played in the NBA for over 10 years with a number of teams, including the Warriors. And, Jim, right now the Warriors are just having an amazing season. I don't know how you can put it in any simpler terms, that they're just having kind of an unreal campaign. What's it been like being around this group all season long and watching this after they won the championship last year?
8: Well, it's interesting because they're, they're just pretty normal about it. Uh, matter of fact, they believe in themselves. They're not surprised by anything, but they are making history all the time. You know, they recently lost to Boston after winning 54 consecutive home games uh, over about a 14-month span. And uh, they darn near pulled that one out, by the way. Yeah. And at 69 and eight, that's the best record in the history of the game. After that many, uh, after, after that many games in the in the season, uh, they've got to go four and one to set a new NBA record of wins in a season, breaking the Bulls' 95-96 record of 72 and 10. So five games to go on that. They're still now. It, it could happen tonight um, as the Warriors are playing tonight uh, against Minnesota, and San Antonio is playing. Uh, I know this, tape, this show is taped later on uh, and presented later on, but it could be settled this week whether the Warriors are going to be the number one seed. That's their objective. The first objective is forget all the records. They want to win another championship. To do that, they want the number one seed throughout the playoffs because I think they uh, feel pretty confident that they can win a seven-game series when uh, they're going to have four games on their own home court.
2: It also seems like they want to avoid losing two in a row. That's also one of those milestones that they want to get through.
8: Well, they've always responded. Whenever they've had a loss, you know, they won their first 24, they lost, then I think they won 11 in a row, they lose, they win seven in a row, and that's the normal thing for them. And uh, now that they're getting healthier, uh, Andre Godala's back. That helps them. They need him desperately. He's He settles the team down really well, but they're a deep team. Um, They've got a good bench. They uh, acquired uh, Vergeau, Anderson Vergeau, uh, a few weeks back. That's helped them uh, with a little patchwork while Festus Mm Azili was out. Um, They've got the the best backcourt in the league. I don't think anyone will deny that, and the team has made – this never happened before. They've made a thousand threes. <laughs> Stephen Curry is on the way to making four hundred threes this year,
9: Jeez. after
8: making two hundred and eighty-six last year, two seventy-two the year before. He just keeps breaking his own record. Four hundred is absolutely uh, ridiculous, and I better stop talking because I know you have more questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: well, I was going to say, you know, the the fans around the country have really responded to this team just because of the way they play. People talk about the joy that's palpable in the in the manner in which they play the game. They really enjoy each other's company and they play the game with this verve and this elan it's just it's fun to watch jim I and mean, you've been around the game long enough to know that these kind of seasons don't happen too often but also these kind of teams with this sort of chemistry are very very rare
8: right and so we all should uh, revel in what what's going on right now and and take note and enjoy the ride because it's like you said something about chemistry. Al Adel always said, you know, chemistry, you don't know how you got it, and you don't know how you lost it. Uh-huh. Right now they've got that. Very very selfless team. They move the ball. Um, you know, they've had, I don't know, 30-some games this year. Because there are so many numbers with this club. You know, they had 30-some games this year where they've had 30 or more assists, and that's always the goal. Um, it, it's a team that averages 29 assists, so – You know, more than half the time they're getting 30 assists in a night, which is unheard of. Um, You know, Draymond Green, they had three All-Stars this year. Uh, Draymond Green this year, 1,000 points, 500 rebounds, 500 assists, 100 steals, 100 blocks. First player in NBA history to reach all five of those (laughs) benchmarks in a single season.
2: You know, it's amazing uh, watching the team, and it's almost like they're they're trying to prove being selfless. You know, it's like uh, you see guys sometimes give up shots just because they want to throw that extra pass.
8: Well, it starts with Steve Kerr. Um, he's the head of the snake, and uh, he's got got them playing that way. He handles everything so well. And then, of course, when you have your team leader and team captain, uh, Stephen Curry, the MVP, he's going to win another MVP. Um, the way he plays and his demeanor on and off the court, it it permeates throughout the club. I can't I can't emphasize that enough that they've got a tremendous leader on the floor in Stephen Curry, and they've got. A tremendous leader in Steve Kerr as the head coach. And you know, I think
2: I think that's one of the the main things that I, I really appreciate about Curry is that you know he'll get uh, hit in the head and no foul called, and he'll just he'll give a look, but he won't get completely upset and go ballistic like a lot of players.
8: No, that's that. His demeanor is, uh, you know, he's he's calm. He's um, I don't I don't think. Maybe he's a little introverted. I don't know. He's just he's just not flamboyant. He'll get that mm. flamboyancy a little bit after he hits a few threes or brings them back and stuff. He pounds his chest a little bit, but it's very short lived. Yeah. And he keeps his emotions under control. And I say I say that on and off the court. Uh, you know, he's a terrific family man. He's just very well grounded, and that comes from his parents.
2: Yeah. He never. Ta- you never see him taunt anybody. You, you know. Again, you get a little excited with the pounding of the chest or whatever, but that, that's oh. nothing.
8: He never gets. Uh, he he doesn't swear. He's always under control that way, and and he knows that he's uh, an example through. He's the number one, you know, popular player in the NBA today. And as Bruce, as you said, going around, it's it's unbelievable. As we travel around, it's like traveling with Elvis Presley or the Beatles.
3: <laughs> yeah, it is a lot of fun. I
8: mean, it, you, it really is. Yeah. I mean, you cannot believe the number of people that come to our hotels and stay in the hotel who live in that town just so they can get a glimpse of the team. And is that right?
3: It's kind of like, I guess it's like what Jordan, Jordan and the Bulls yeah. were like or what Magic and the yep. Lakers were like, same, same now, kind of and thing. You
8: know, there's there a great story uh, written by uh, one of the SI guys about Ralph Walker, who basically is his uh, security patrol. He's the, he's the, uh, uh, the you know, security and he's the agent, just like you would for the president. Um, that's He goes everywhere Stephen Curry goes because he has to.
9: Hmm.
3: And Stephen Curry of course is such an easygoing guy. I mean, I can't imagine him upsetting anybody. If anything, I mean, I heard this story uh, Jim and maybe you can tell me if it's true that uh, on the road recently, uh, there was a, a child, uh, a p- some parents brought their kid to the game and the kid had this desperately, uh, you know, was a, was desperately ill, had some kind of horrible disease and they made an arrangement for Steph Curry to meet this kid. Yep. Steph Curry gave the kid his shoes and then spoke to to the child and the child was so moved that he actually started crying a little bit
9: because it was of what, in
8: miami that yeah. was in miami and this happens all the time and uh, of course you, you can't fulfill everyone's needs <laughs>
9: yeah really.
8: um you just can't you can't you know i if i go make an appearance somewhere people come up to me and appeal to me that they you know and not to make it drama but you know gee i have so and so he's a nephew and he can't see real well and stephen curry's his favorite player well you know, join millions of other people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stephen Curry's favorite, you know, his yeah. favorite player. And you you just can't, you know, how can I get him to come to the house? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> and take my daughter to the well, prom. Well, you could
8: retire from <laughs> basketball and just go yeah. greet people, but that, that's not going to work.
3: Jim Barnett, the, uh, one of the voices of the Golden State Warriors, he's the television analyst, and he's been doing it for many, many years. And, Jim, you know, you were with this team during some really down years. When did you see the? the tide starting to turn was when new ownership took over or was it the day Mark Jackson was hired? Was there any particular moment where you felt like, Hey, we're finally turning this thing in the right direction.
8: I think when new ownership came, it, it, everything changed. The whole climate changed the whole atmosphere in the office and you're only as good as your ownership. Um, and, and, I'm not speaking badly of Chris Cohan. I, I enjoyed Chris, uh, things didn't work. I think, I think he did hire some wrong people. Uh, and put them in different positions,
3: like Robbie um, Rowell, <laughs> that guy. One oh. for one, yeah. yes. Um,
8: <laughs> that that didn't work well and wasn't uh, you know they That's lost. Very diplomatic during that era.
3: <laughs> I just I had a number of issues with that and guy. So, yeah. uh,
8: you know, yeah. So when they got th- that, that changed everything, and yeah. and Mark Jackson started everything uh, with a new climate and started them getting playing defense, getting them to play defense. They had some success in the playoffs. You know, they had a little run there back in. Uh, the mid-70s, or excuse me, the mid-90s, and, and on, I guess it's the turn of the century. I guess it had not been that long. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. the, 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 we believe that was 2007 and yeah. eight. so I yeah. guess that was only about... I
2: still wear that shirt at night. Yeah. Hey, well, hey, hey, Jim, this segment went too fast. Can you stay with us for just one more? Just a, cause I wanted to ask you about the NCAA finals and players and, and how that goes re- kind of into the pros. Would you do that for us? Sure. Okay, thanks. All right. Uh, quick trivia question here. We're going to cut into a break. How many of Tim Tebow's seven wins with the 2011 Broncos were of the come from behind variety? Okay, so he had seven wins.
3: I bet you Barney knows that question. Okay,
2: well, don't answer Answer. it yet, though, but we want to find out how many of them were the come from behind ones. All right, stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We come back, we're going to ask Jim Barnett about the NCAA Finals and players coming into the NBA.
12: your process lower your monthly mortgage payments save your home and your credit but you must act now call 800-274-7312 800-274-7312 not available in all states paid non-attorney spokesperson
2: welcome back to sports econ 101 again i'm edward brown your host along with bruce McGowan. we cut to the first commercial break we ask this trivia question how many of tim tebow's seven wins with the 2011 broncos were of the come from behind uh, variety Five. Jim, when do you take a guess? Anywhere from between zero and seven.
8: Anywhere between zero and seven, I would say three.
2: Okay, six. Six, six out of seven wow. were from, come from behind. And this
3: guy can't get a job anywhere. I, I
2: can't <laughs> figure it out. I Amazing. can't
3: figure it out. Jim Barnett is joining us, the voice of the, of the Warriors. Did you have a chance, Jim? I mean, the Warriors were off the night of the NCAA tournament championship game between Villanova and, and North Carolina. I imagine you probably saw at the very least some of the highlights.
8: I saw the pregame show. I saw a lot of the postgame show. I taped it. I looked at it again. I thought it was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. I watched every second. It takes me a little longer to, to watch a game because I will roll it back and, and check out little yeah. things and so forth. They they kept up freaking advertisement. I, I thought it was tremendous. Uh, uh, that Paige kid, uh, yeah. you know, no one talked about him being an NBA player, but i tell you what, it was he clutch in the second half? He was absolutely tremendous, and he hit that shot to tie it up at 74-all. But then I, I thought they ran that last play very well, and I, I maybe it was spur of the moment, but you know Jenkins was set up perfectly for that jump shot. Um, it, it was dramatic. It was terrific, uh, you know, the North North Carolina, the UNC fans, the Tar Heels, they're going nuts when it gets tied up and 4.7 seconds to go. And then it flips to Villanova. I don't think you could have any more drama yeah. than what was on display.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, who would have thought that they would go for a three? I mean, I know they had, you know, seconds winding down, but everyone was expecting, uh, you know, the guy who would take up the ball, he was going to drive all the way. My, my question to you is going to be, in watching a game like that, how many, uh, you know, how – Okay, someone like, let's say, like Page, okay, or, or this guy Hart for Villanova played so well that you, you, you wonder, okay, now, did, how much did, did that elevate them coming into, let's say, the NBA draft? You know what I mean? It's like, I know one game doesn't define uh, right. a, a player, but, you know, you're talking about a lot of pressure and, and how they perform under pressure.
8: You know, I, I think that NBA scouts peg people a little early uh, because I've always felt— just what you're saying when someone plays big in a big game and he's been, you know, now you're not going to take someone who averages four points a game and all of a sudden he gets 18. Um, I'm trying to think, is is that Hart The kid that got 20 last night?
2: No, he's, um, he played, he played well, but I think he'd been playing well fairly. I I don't know all the names.
8: I don't know all the names, but, but I've always felt that good players and great players should always play well in big, big games. And you've got to get up for those games. And, um, you know, I know Buddy Heald had a, a bad game when they got beaten by uh, Villanova after they beat Oregon, and he, when he made eight threes against Oregon, and then he came out the next night didn't even get in double figures. But his stock is already there. Um, if if they think they're an NBA prospect, I, I think that they should get elevated if they perform like that on the on the on the show on the big stage.
2: Yeah, because sometimes just you know, again, just a fan watching the game, um, it's amazing. You know, you can just see the talent. And, again, a guy can have a bad game, but you can just you, – you just it's amazing, you know, driving in between the big trees and that sort of thing.
8: Well, it's, you know, you've got to look at all the things, and, and I'll, I'll give an example. There used to be the um, East-West College All-Star game. When I came out of college, and I know that's – you know, I'm irrelevant because we're, we're talking 50 years ago, and, you know, it, it's like someone coming up to me in the middle of my basketball career, and they're t- telling me about theirs or whatever, and I say, well, when did you play? You know, and, and mm. I came to the league in 1966. So that's like someone coming to, in 1970. Someone coming up to me and say, and I ask, well, "When did you play?" They said, "Well, I played from 1916 to 1927." <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. okay. When, they had, I, when they had the peach I, baskets I, I, up I started, on the wall and, right? and a
2: square basketball, yeah. yeah. yeah.
8: And, and so you know, I, I consider myself, you know, I make a little light of it, irrelevant. But there was an East-West College All-Star game, and people, you know, UCLA had won a couple of championships, mm-hmm. so the, they were on the map in, from the West a little bit. But not before that, not at all. And, of course, Kareem was then just coming in. He was a freshman when I was a senior. So we never played against each other. But I played in that East-West College All-Star game, and I was the leading scorer for the West. I started, and I was defended by Dave Bing, and, and uh, I played really well against Dave Bing. And, and I think you could all of a sudden then they, they realized how much quickness I had because I was going against someone who was a second pick in the draft. And, uh, you know, I, I fared well against him. So I think at that point... I was elevated from a second-round player to a first-round player. Now, you have to remember, there were ten teams in the league then. Mm. Uh, There were ten teams. So you you could be the twentieth pick, and you were the last player picked in the second round.
3: Wow. Hey, you know, we're talking –
8: I think I got elevated just because of that game. (laughs) See,
3: that's (laughs) that's my point. That's exactly my point. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it at all. You know, you mentioned uh, coming out in 1966, and one thing I love about Jim Barnett's career is that, you know, sometimes you look at a guy's career and you think, gee, he was a journeyman. He moved around. He played for all these different teams. But you got to play with Rick Berry – with the Warriors, Elvin Hayes with San Diego, Pistol Pete Maravich in New Orleans, Dr. J in Philadelphia, Walt Frazier and Earl Monroe, and then you broke in with Bill Russell, and the Boston Celtics, I mean, it's almost like you were one of these uh, fictional characters yeah. that some uh, some novelist uh, wrote about. That yeah, got that's to, interesting. Yeah, uh, you know.
2: yeah, so I wouldn't downplay the fact that, you know, you played years ago because look, look at the players. Lo- look mentioning. at the guys yeah. you got
3: to play with and, and not only got to play with them but got to know them as people. What was it like having that wild ride with all of these different, yeah. you know, big-name athletes at that time?
8: Well, you know, the league was so much smaller in scope. Uh, in those days, you know, I made $11,000 my first year as a Celtics' number one draft pick. $11,000?
3: 11, $11,000
8: wow. and a $500 signing bonus. Uh, you know, we had no power whatsoever. When I went to San Diego, they talk about, you know, back-to-backs now are four games in five nights, and they talk about resting people. And, and I'm not going to go into the Oscar Robertson mode because, let me tell you, these players today are much more athletic than we were when we played, much more athletic um, you know, so I, I'm, I'm not taking anything away. Stephen Curry might average 40 a game when, when, hmm. yeah. when we, if they'd had a three-point line and he played all of a sudden came down and, and played against us. I don't know, because I've never seen a shooter like him, although Jerry West was a great shooter, yeah. and uh, averaged 46.3 in a playoff series one time, which is the highest scoring average ever in any playoff series in the NBA's history. But, um, you know, we played 11 games in 13 nights. We played five nights in a row, which included, in the middle of the road trip, Going coast to coast both mm, ways,
2: wow.
9: oh.
8: you know, going both both ways, yeah. gaining three hours and then losing three hours on another five game. You know I mean, that's going to take a toll
2: better. on you. Well, and you guys were
3: flying commercial flights too. We're flying too. commercial yeah. and
8: stuff, yeah. and yeah. it's it's we just we didn't know any better. So um, you know it just was different. And when you're talking about playing with all those great players, I it just wasn't as big a deal. No one, you know, we were normal. You go oh. to a game if if people had to sit through a game today, all of a sudden they brought one back and you played just like that. And they'd say this is so boring because there's no music, there's no fanfare, there's yeah, no yeah, hype, yeah. Uh, there are no radio shows like you're doing and, and promoting this all the time, 24-7 yep. uh, across the U.S., and everything is hyped up now, and, you know, when I, I'm, I'm talking about the Warriors, it's many times in a week I'm talking about yeah. the Warriors about the same thing because everybody everybody has something to say and sure. it's just uh there's a lot of hyperbole today
2: but you know you know, jim i gotta i gotta say i really appreciate your attitude because it, unlike you remember bob st clair you know the question sure. is you know they ask about you know hey uh could you play with these guys nowadays and his answer was no can those candy asses play with us you know and it's kind of like sort of funny but i mean the guys nowadays are much bigger and stronger than they were oh. even now bob was a big guy he was was six nine yeah, you know i remember
8: uh, bob i played golf with bob before and uh let me just say yeah, this. He's a tough guy.
2: Rates, rates
8: okay. of any era are going to play in any era. Exactly. Take, and, yeah. and Wilt Chamberlain, I believe, yeah. would dominate yeah. this league Yeah, like I agree. Today. You know, I mean, he's not going to be like Tyson Chandler, like, like some kid told me last summer. Oh, he'd be <laughs> average, kind of like Tyson. I <laughs> no idea. <laughs> he,
2: you know what? That's a guy who's never uh, seen North play. play.
8: Yeah. Jerry West could play. And yeah. I'm going to tell you something else. I believe I could play. I was very athletic, I was very quick. Um, yeah. I would have to play differently. I wouldn't be able to finish inside like I used to because uh, the defense is so different, and now they give so much help I'd have to kick it out to the corner for someone shooting a three. But I knew how to play defense. I was quick, and and, uh, I was good enough. I think you know I could play play just as well. These people are better athletes, but I will say this, from the neck up, they're not as good because we had better fundamentals because we had to go to college for four years and learn how to play. And kids today, they it's like, you know, the we used to call it the Federal Express generation, but that's too old now also. <laughs> it's not, not pertinent. Yeah. Uh, these kids today, it's, you know, they're not interested in delayed gratification. They want something, they want it now. They want it
3: right now. That's and they right. want it
8: right now without making the effort and doing the work. So we were fundamentally sound. Sometimes these players today do things, and I'm wondering, and, you know, Rick barry will talk about this, too, because uh, he was an incredibly high IQ basketball yeah. player. Um, these players today will will do fundamental things that, that are not fundamental. I mean, yeah. uh, what I call non intellectual plays.
2: Well, yeah, like saving the saving the ball underneath the basket. You know, yeah. it's too many times like that. But in fact, that's a good question, or that's a good point you're making about uh, today versus you know years ago. Uh, how. Let me see. My question is, uh, I've lost my train of thought, uh, oh, how much of it was a team game? Now, again, the Warriors are different because they play a lot of team basketball. But yep. um, and in, in your day, it, it seemed like it was still more of a team game rather than, you know, the individuals.
8: Perfect, perfect question. And here's how I can surmise that. Back in the 60s and the 70s, it was team, offense, and individual defense. Oh, interesting. Today, it is individual offense primarily, Warriors being the exception, and team and defense. Team defense. Hmm. So individual defense isn't as emphasized as, as much. I used to, When I played with Elvin Hayes, Elvin Hayes would say, don't let Jerry West go around you because I'm not going to give you any help.
9: <laughs> and,
8: and so when I turned the corner, and, and, you know, Bruce was around when I was playing, and I had a little play where I came off the either the forward or the center on the right-hand side, and I'd hesitate, and I'd turn that corner and go to the basket. I only had to worry about the man who was setting the screen. Everybody else stayed with their man. So if I turned the corner on the right side, I didn't worry about the guy in the corner coming in. I didn't worry about the off guard. I didn't worry. All I worried about was one man, and that was the man who switched out on me. And if it was a center, most of the time he was back towards the Towards the lane. If I wanted to shoot a jump shot, and if I'd had a dependable jump shot, oh. <laughs> I'd have been a hell of a lot better player.
2: You, oh, Jim, um, hold on. we got to cut to a break gotta, I wanted to ask you about zone defense. Okay. Which country has competed in the most Summer Olympics, 20 of them, without winning a gold medal? Ooh. Stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back.
1: Are you wasting hundreds of dollars each year on contact lenses? Would you like to see clearly again without reading glasses? LASIK treats only the surface of the eye and is healthier and safer than wearing contact lenses long term. Dr. Robert Lynn had LASIK himself and still sees 2020 and has performed over 40,000 LASIK procedures over the last 18 years. Find out more at IQlaservision.com. That's IQlaservision.com.
2: IQ Laser
7: You can now hear your favorite Sports Byline USA network shows while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. The latest episode is always available. Stitcher brings radio and podcast listeners a better way to listen to their favorite shows and helps them discover new content. Stitcher delivers personalized audio streams on demand right on your smartphone. Available for your iPhone, Android phones, WebOS phones, or your Blackberry. Stitcher is also available in some GM and Ford dashboard systems. Downloading is easy. Go to Stitcher.com or check out your app store. Stitcher Smart Radio. The smarter way to listen to Radio.
2: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our second trivia question. What country has competed in the most Summer Olympics, 20 of them, without winning a gold medal?
3: Mexico? Uh,
2: no, the Philippines. The Philippines? The Philippines, oh yeah. Oh my goodness, okay. All right, so we have Jim Barnett on the phone. And Jim, before we let you go, I did want to ask you about zone defense, but then you 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 actually hadn't finished off what you were talking about with regard to individual offense versus team defense.
8: Well, I just think those, that's the main difference. Today they give, they give help a lot. And um, a player, it's not as important for Stephen Curry or a guard, whoever it is, I'm using him just as an example, uh, to keep the man in front of you primarily. Um, they direct him some other area. You know, Maybe they make him go one direction because they know they're going to get help that way. Whereas my responsibility when I played in the 60s and 70s, um, I tried to keep Tiny Archibald and Calvin Murphy or Jerry West – you know, Earl Monroe, Frazier in front of me. And that was my objective is to not let them penetrate and not let them get into the lane and, and create. So, you know, we we had individual defense, more team offense. Today, you've got individual players and they like to play individual offense, but they definitely have team defense
2: concepts. And there was a time when zone defense was around and then they outlawed it, I remember. Yes. Um How does that all kind of come into play with what you're talking about?
8: Well, they've changed the rules on that at at different times, and it's a little better than it was uh, a few years ago. But, you know, uh, why not? If they want to play a zone, I I think they should play any way you want. If you want to put somebody there in the middle, and uh, you can make an adjustment to it, put in shooters, and see how long that will last. I I don't know why they have to stage it that way.
2: It sounds like it's just because people thought it was boring. I, I'm guessing that that was the reason.
8: Yeah, they, well, you know, there are more three-pointers taken every year. Every year. Yeah. Um, you know, the last two games, when you look at Stephen Curry, it's so we're, we're going to the three-point line. We we know that. Yeah. You know, Curry takes, uh, against Portland, Curry takes 21 shots, 13 of them are threes.
9: Mm.
8: Against yeah. Boston, the game they lost, he takes, 19, I'm trying to remember this, 19 yeah. shots, 14 were threes. But he may, by the way. Um, if he took um, 27 of those, he made 17 in those two games. Uh, that's incredible. Do you think
2: they'll come up with a four-point shot? No. No? How come? No, no, I, I mean, you know, I mean Steph could extreme. have. Too extreme? Okay. I maybe mean, maybe it... a half-court shot. Let me just huh? say this, well, Edward. Yeah, They're not
8: going to do it while I'm still alive.
3: <laughs> hey, you know, you mentioned, Jim, you, you broke in the league in the 60s. You mentioned uh, coming in with Boston. And Bill Russell was your, was your head coach. What was it like playing for Bill Russell? Because he was still playing at that time, and the Celtics were in the midst of this great run.
8: It was fantastic. Coach. They had a great run. They'd won eight straight championships. Unfortunately, they didn't win that year. They <laughs> didn't get a ring. But to to play with Bill Russell and be coached by real, Bill Russell was very unique. You know, the players knew what they had to do. Um, we, we didn't have – I could tell you a lot of funny stories uh, – I guess we can't swear on the air here, so no, no,
2: no. Uh, our, uh, no, FCC says don't swear, but go ahead. Oh, I know, I know.
8: <laughs> I mean, we didn't have pregame talks. I mean, it, and, and you, you, we traveled so much and so often that um, and, and played everybody nine times because, as I said, there were ten teams, so it was an eighty-one game schedule last year. There was ever just eighty-one, and so you, you knew the teams. And so Bill Russell would always have a security guy come in, say, 20 minutes before game time. And no one went out ahead of time and, you know, shot two hours before the game or an hour ahead or whatever. So um, sometimes we travel so much you forget where you are. And So one time we were in the city and the security guy comes in, Mr. Russell, 20 minutes before game time. And he said, thank you. And uh, he looked around and he said, uh, who are we playing tonight? Baltimore? No, that's not right. Chicago? No. Uh, Detroit? Let's go out there and get this. And I'll just say stuff yeah. over with. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go out there and get this stuff over with. Yeah, you know, uh, we, went because- out we won sixty-one games. We were sixty-one <laughs> in. Uh, uh, Let's see. I think we were sixty and twenty-one, or sixty-one yeah. and twenty. Wow. Or I think we were sixty-one and twenty that year.
2: You know, so, with the fact that you didn't have that many teams, you must have gotten to know these guys. Real, like you said, uh, the, you, the guy you're playing against, yeah. you're going to know his his play really well.
8: Yeah, that's why we didn't have to scout ahead <laughs> We played yeah. so much; everybody knew everything, mm. and it's just it was just about skill and what you're going to do, and effort, and all of those things. So, um, but Bill was very fair. I, I loved playing for him because, you know, he. he he still would get on Sam Jones, who'd been in the league a dozen years, and they were good friends, but he would – he one time, I remember at halftime, he said, Sam, you're not running. And, Ru- and Sam said, I'm running, Russ. He called him Russ. He said, no, you're not running. He said, I'm running, Russ. He said, look, I know the difference when you're running and not running. And so the second half, Sam, you know, picked it up a little bit and and, and, and got him going. But that was the extent of uh, – the coaching, you know, he didn't practice. Um, and, I'm, you know, if you – people write this stuff down it looks like i'm trying to demean russell not at no, all
9: know. Uh-huh. just
8: the way it was but he didn't practice uh, you know when i came here nate thurman didn't practice that much if he did it was just go through the motions these guys played 45 friggin minutes a night
9: yeah mm. they didn't um, have to practice <laughs> so,
8: uh, russell would sit on the we we practiced at the cambridge ymca and he drank a cup of coffee and read the paper a little bit and looked up <laughs> little men against big men he watched us and laughed and we had a good time and when he when he was ready and the he was through drinking the coffee and reading the paper. Practice was over. How, how deep
2: was the bench back then?
8: Uh, he brought in Wayne Embry from Cincinnati. He was going to retire as a backup center. Uh, he, he started Bailey Howell, but John Havlicek, who they traded for. Um, so they're starting. They're starting five. It was Casey Jones and Sam Jones, Russell, uh, Tom Satch Sanders, a great defender, and Bailey Howell, who could you know. Career average of eighteen a game, and, and the, there was a guy off the bench you might have heard of him. He was pretty good. His name was John Havlicek.
2: Oh yeah, yeah I've never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Havlicek you, steals the ball.
8: <laughs> and Larry Siegfried was the first guard off the oh. bench. Sometimes Havlicek came in for the garbage, usually the small That's forward and, um, So then they had, so they were they were eight deep, strongly eight deep when you talk about off the bench Havlicek, um, Siegfried, and Wayne. Uh, as I said before. Did they
2: change Did they change the number of players on a team? Does they that did that year from 11 to 12. Hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's so there's really only one extra person.
3: Another okay. guy you got to play with who was, I thought, one of the most fascinating people in, in uh, pro sports, and he never really had – he did win a ring with the Celtics as a reserve later in his career, but never fulfilled the potential a lot of people saw was Pistol Pete Maravich. Oh, what a what a great player. And, and you got to know him pretty well, too, didn't you, down in well, New Orleans? I played
8: Orleans. with him in New Orleans and, yeah. and started in the backcourt with him that year. In fact – um, well, I'm not even going to say that. It doesn't matter. but I, I always like to say I got 30 in the game before he did, which is, you know, you're to, how the hell did you do that? <laughs> um, so uh, now I got Pete would be a better player today. He would be a bigger star today because he could handle the ball like Stephen Curry. He could shoot yeah. from long range uh, for Stephen Curry shoots from it. He could not be as consistent a shooter as Stephen Curry is. He a little more erratic. But we wouldn't let him play that way. Coaches wouldn't let him play yeah. that way. Yeah. Um, and the, the show that he would put on, the NBA wasn't ready for him yet. Yeah. So he had only a 10-year career, and he did not. Now, he was an all-star, and I believe he led the league in scoring one year. But, you know, he averaged 44.2 in college yeah. without a three-point line. Um, so today you'd be talking about, you know, let's say Kobe in his prime a few years ago. Kobe Bryant, you know, Stephen Curry. Uh, uh, LeBron James and Pistol Pete Maravich. Those those are the people you'd be talking about. Mm. There's no
2: question about it.
3: Wow! And then of course you, you also got to play with Dr. J, who was really
2: oh, I love watching. Uh, you him, just
3: James. watch him play was it was like poetry in motion, yeah. Jim. When you yeah. when you saw that guy make his move to the hoop and yeah. what what a nice fellow too. I mean I've I've interviewed. Yes, he him. He was I mean, real yes, gentleman. He is, I guess. Yeah, yeah, real gentleman. But he was
8: a real gentleman. I that was my last tour of duty in Philadelphia, and he was just a gracious human being and I I have a soft spot in my heart for him and you know I know he lost his child some years ago and Uh he and his wife Turquoise got divorced and they were Uh just I thought they were a terrific couple but Dr. J is one of the great ones of all time and uh, you know I I, those you're naming all those players there ten of those teammates of mine were Part of that group of fifty greatest of all time. Wow, yeah.
9: that's, see, that's, that's including
3: amazing. my favorite Rick Berry, Who, of course, we always like to kid about Rick because Rick is one of these guys. If you say something is black, he's going to say it's white. If you say it's brown, he's going to say it's green. And you and Rick is usually right
8: when he <laughs> argues with you. That's the maddening thing about Rick, isn't it, Jay? Well, he's, but you know, Rick isn't
2: opinionated enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, like Doctor Jay, uh, he's one of those guys. Like you say, he's nice off uh, off the court, but boy, on the court, what Oof. a competitor! Yeah. Something well. else. Well, Jim, thank you so much again for spending all this time with us. We really appreciate having you on.
8: Edward Bruce, thank you very much, and uh, hope hope it's a good show for you. It is Uh, always always with you.
3: Always good to have him on. Thanks. All right, Jim Barnett. Yeah, Jim. uh, You know, I was lucky enough to watch him play quite a bit, and then it's interesting. The first team I ever got to cover, Edward, was the Warrior team that won the NBA championship. They were, you know, a Cinderella team with Rick Barry and a bunch of nobodies, relatively speaking. And Jim had left the team the year before, and they'd had Thurman, Barnett, uh, Clyde Lee. Uh, of course, they had uh, Rick Barry. They had, you know, Cassie Russell, and they lost almost all those guys, and everybody thought they were going to be terrible. And they somehow managed to – it just goes to show you sometimes you get the right people – you bring in the right chemistry, and it chemistry, happens. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, that's amazing. But he was, you know, it's funny because when you move around that much, you think, "Gee, there's must must be something wrong with this guy." I think what it was with Jim was he was such a good guy off the bench, and a lot of teams couldn't afford to keep that sixth or seventh guy, you know, because of yeah. salary, or whatever. So they just looked at Jim Barnett and thought, "Well, he's expendable, but somebody's going to take him." Yeah, because
2: he, he's good trading material.
3: not only good trading material, but he he makes your bench that much stronger. He was the you know number one guy off the bench. Yeah. So there exactly. you go.
2: There you go okay we got a uh, couple of minutes before a break uh, baseball season started
3: I know I can't believe it I was at the A's opener the other night they lost of course to the white sox but uh, it was really fun to be back out at the ballpark and just feel the atmosphere and and watch the tradition and you know just feel the different vibe when you go to a, a opening day or opening night in the major leagues it's just a, it's almost like going to the playoffs it really is uh, there's a tradition involved there's the renewal of of, of the of a game that has been around for so many years. And I think unlike any other sport, Edward, it is deeply embedded into our culture, probably because not only has it been around so long, but just the games themselves, every day there's a game for the next yeah. six, seven months, every day.
2: Well, the nice thing for me about baseball is that the tradition of the game hasn't changed no, that much. It hasn't. You know, there's been little nuances and stuff. Well,
3: the uniforms, you know, and uh, you know yeah. the ballparks and, and the salaries, obviously, but the yeah. way the game is played, it really hasn't changed that much. No, I yeah. mean the yeah. only thing that's different today as opposed to say 30 years ago, uh, relief specialists. You know, and very few oh, yeah. pitchers yeah. back in the day. When I say pre 1980s used to have four man staffs and guys you know it was traditional for guys to pitch full games and you'd have guys with Juan Marichal for instance for instance one year had 36 complete games 36 That's, not today it's maybe yeah, maybe 36 the, starts well i mean you know? maybe maybe a guy will have <laughs> You know, the best in the league might have ten complete games or maybe eight complete games. But, you know, people are so afraid of a pitcher having his arm fall off yeah. that they're going to limit him, the best ones especially, to seven innings, eight innings, maybe, maximum. Yeah, so it's
2: not really the, the you know, quote, the pitcher's fault because he could be, you know, leading two to one. I, and wonder though I, take him out.
3: I have to say, Edward, I wonder if some of these arm injuries aren't the result of just not having these pitchers work their arms enough. Because I don't remember pitchers having this many, you know, injuries to their arms and shoulders and elbows as they did, you know, uh, back in the day. Yeah, that's
2: true. There weren't too many, too many of the Tommy but, John surgeries. But and, maybe it know.
3: was in those days the guys pitched with a lot more pain. They had pain, no choice because yeah. they had no guaranteed contracts. I don't know.
2: Good, that's, good, a good, good, that's a very good point. Good topic
3: for a conversation sometime down the road here.
2: Yeah, we'll have to get Fritz Peterson back on. And, yeah, uh, and get, get Fritz
3: that. on him. Yeah, okay. definitely.
2: All right. All right. So uh, we're going to ask uh, another trivia question oh, okay. Here. again. Different trivia. Okay. Uh, what, did we, what did we start off with? No, uh, you start team, off with team, Tim Tebow, Tebow, and then the and then the, the Olympics, Olympics
3: in the Philippines. They won a single medal
2: they have not won a single gold medal. Oh, single gold medal. A single well, gold medal still, you know, in 2020 yeah, Olympics? Uh yeah, 2020 20 Summer Olympics, so that's 80 from,
3: 80 years. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Poor guys. Where's the Summer Olympics this year? Hey, uh home. Rio, isn't it? Oh, that's right, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rio yeah. de
2: Janeiro. Oh, you almost caught me uh, off guard on that yeah, one. I was trying to think I couldn't I couldn't <laughs> think. All right. Uh, so, what sport does the phrase winning hands down come from and what does it mean? That's a good one. Okay, the first email with the correct answer is going to win a free three day, two night stay at the Lighthouse Resort. And again, we want to remind people that uh, they do charge a hundred dollar cleaning fee. Uh, you know, if you win the prize, because they got to cover the housekeeping expenses. We all know how that works. Um, uh, so, email Edward at SportsEcon101 the answer to that question. So, again, here is the question: What sport uh, does the phrase "winning hands down" come from, and what does it mean? Mm. So, you got to give us the, the what does more. it mean too. So, stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. We come back, we're going to have some closing comments and some thoughts for the day.
1: Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free, confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host.
2: Don't ever say last
3: time to an older guy. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Like I said, if
2: I wake up without a toe tag, I'm happy. So uh, I'll be Edward Brown all day today. There you go. uh, This is our last segment for the show. Okay. All right, so but here- not our last segment ever. No, okay, because we're going to be recording um, another show soon for yes, next week. Okay. There we go. Here's our third trivia question. What sport does the phrase "winning hands down" come from? And what does it mean? I think it's something to do with horse racing? It is.
3: And hands down means that uh, you were in front from start to finish.
2: You know that that's that's what I would have thought too, yeah. but no. Okay, so it does come from horse racing, right. and it's a jockey who won a race without whipping his horse or pulling back oh. the reins.
3: Oh, that's the kind of horse you want to be yeah. on. Course, you don't have to sit there and whack him. You, yeah, really. Go. Yeah, no.
2: I, yeah. When would you ever pull back the reins if you're in a horse race? I don't think you would. You know, you at know at who end.
3: was that? You know who was that way? It was Secretariat? I, I remember watching him in the triple crown and i don't remember his jockey and i can't remember who it was it was yeah. somebody famous ever having to whip him because he and the thing was when, when he died he died he lived a long life yeah. they did an autopsy on him and his heart was actually twice the size of a normal horse heart which so shows you why, why one of the reasons why he was such a good runner
2: yeah yeah wow It's funny because an enlarged heart for us is not good no but, maybe but for, for a, a horse, horse yeah okay. a different story yeah. all right so here's our thoughts for the day if michael phelps were a country He'd rank number thirty-five on the all-time Olympic medal list, ahead of ninety-seven nations. Interesting. Isn't that word. Yeah. And three-time Cy Young winner Clayton Kershaw. If uh, we still to, hasn't he, been in the World Series by no, the way, not no, yet. But if he were to break Young's record of five hundred and eleven wins, ain't gonna happen. It could happen, but he'd need to stay at his current pace. For the next 41 years. <laughs> <laughs> nobody is going to break Cy
3: Young's 511 total wins record. I, nobody. I, I, I can't imagine. Nobody is. Like guy
2: pitched them, He was 47. Yeah. You well, know. not just that, but all the complete games. Oh, my the, God. Uh, you talk
3: about complete games. He probably had, oh, he you know, had the most. Yeah. 40, 40 a season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean every time he went out there, he threw a complete game.
2: Sometimes he had to throw a double header.
3: My name is Cy Young. My <laughs> uh, real name is Denton Young, but they they uh shorten shorten it up to Cy. Well, because Denton I was like a cyclone. Cycling. That's
2: right. There yeah, you go. There All right. Tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and giving away more free vacations.
3: I like those free vacations. for <laughs> answering
2: sports trivia <tribute laughs> questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host Edward Brown, and we'll see you next week. Good night, America. Hold so on.